podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the weekend, Neil Atkinson with you. I've got Stievo, I've got Damien Cavana, I've got Siobhan Began, all to talk about the week that's been, i.e. quite a quiet one from a Liverpool point of view, taking stock. And then we're going to be looking ahead to Tottenham. Uh, loads of other fascinating stuff as well to come right the way through the show. We've got James Pearce for you, uh, talking about the article that he's written this week on Peplinders and other matters as well. Uh, more much beyond that, it is all coming thick and fast, including a look ahead to Tottenham with, Tar- with Charlie Eccleshare as well. Uh, everything that you need this week on the weekender. But we will start with Damien it's very very strange all of a sudden the strange thing that happens at this point of the season where you go game 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 yeah. game I'm shattered I'm shattered I'm shattered when's it going to stop mm. and then all of a sudden it does stop and you're all looking at each other a bit like take a breath take a breath I've been taking a breath with a big smile this week <laughs> it's been absolutely glorious hasn't it I mean the players you know of course the shattered as a fan you know the events of going the game and being out for as long as you are and going on the ale and all that goes with it I was absolutely wiped out at that um, Sheffield game. I thought I could do without this. Yeah, yeah, it was just like I do think that I do seriously think on for all things, all aspects considered, there's one too many games in that little pro, in that period there, and whichever one they wanted to pull is fine. Um, yeah, but except uh, last one well yeah well, uh, moving on to that one yeah I thought like um, I was I was then sort of looking forward to it. I thought oh great you know there's got, because we're going to get to a situation where there's going to be a game and then there's going to be a week off mm. in the yeah. middle of it you know so I thought, isn't that marvellous you know and I thought well what a way to go out you know beating Everton in the derby and then the team was announced and I just felt you know all the bubbles went up my lager and I thought so, well this isn't going to happen is it you know and fair play um to Everton if they manage to beat us you know but it'll, matter, it'll never matter less in the context of a season for us given about what we're, what we're about to achieve I think and um, mm. and that was it but you know the, the manner of the performance and, and everything um, the surprise about how how comfortable it turned out to be um, I will always be most passionate about beating Everton I've got a huge respect for me Everton friends and, and that but beating them is always the best thing and it's always the biggest game I, I look forward to you think to. it's what they'd want that idea yeah. I think surely that's what they want Steve, is, is that we should you know genuinely the rivalry does mean something I don't like the idea that we're all meant to act as though everyone's trying to rise above it forget rising above it it's, oh, it's there is, yeah it should be yeah. celebrated it's the core of football yeah, Absolutely, yeah definitely I mean I, I'm, I'm from predominantly a blue family which might surprise a few you know my, my mum's one of seven and the majority of Everton sisters and my cousins are uh, all the ugly ones anyway they're, they're all blues <laughs> um, you know so it, there's a, there's a, there's a there is a fierce rivalry there between us all, and, and, and that, that should always be there for me. That's, that's what makes a city great and, and, and makes the, the two football teams what they are. Um, it's 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 been a lot easier being in red of, of the last sort of, you know, couple of decades. Let, let, let's let's make that clear. Like, but uh, you know, the Blues shouldn't give up hope. It's just it's it, the rivalry for me will always always be there, and and there you know, swings around the world. Things will go, and things will come. It was same cycles for me. It feels like this has been Siobhan just from, and you've got to be careful not to extrapolate social media to be what yeah. everybody thinks. It's not true. I wouldn't like that to be said about us, uh, both as a city or as a as a football support. Social media is not what everybody says, but it does sort of feel like from conversations with Evertonian friends. That this 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 victory last Sunday has been one of the taken hardest. Really, it's easy to write off a reunited mm. six minutes. How much yeah. we, we might laugh about it, you can laugh because it's, it's ridiculous, and you can say yeah. it's hard lines. Whereas yeah. there's something about what Liverpool's yeah. young team did to Everton last weekend that I think is going to take a bit of a bit of getting over for them. It's like it's layer upon layer, isn't it? That um, I know everyone's been saying it, and it's been all over social media and probably on every show so far, but. It's, it, it was like it was the only way left for them to lose a, a derby, wasn't it? And this, while there's like satisfaction to be taken from that, there is a bit where you're like, God, I'd hate to be, mm. you'd hate to be feeling like that. And there is a bit of you where you see your mates and you see people in work and you think like, as much as I'm loving this, like I, I can't help but think how, how dreadful this must be for you. I think 
the the reason this is probably much harder to take is because we probably thought they were on a bit of an upward mm. with Ancelotti. They got four, three, four decent results, and it was kind of like how intentional it was that our team wasn't a team that should have beat Everton. Yeah. Everton's first team that was dead intentional, and yet still, yet still, there's nothing they can do about it. I'll plays them as well, Damien. And there's the there's the reported incident this week where where some Evertonians decided to go down to Finch Farm. And one of the things that I think is interesting is they picked this idea seemingly from reports about being unhappy about footballers who, for instance, appear to see Everton as one last payday. And yeah. A little bit of a retirement home. And I, to yeah. be honest with you, I think they've called that absolutely right. It's something yeah. that we had to stop doing. It's something that you know you're able to look at Liverpool across the last 15 years and say there's a moment where even really good pros like Maxi Rodriguez and Dirk Kaut I was thinking about it today we sort of phased them out around 2012 we get you know yeah. and I say they were good pros they were good mm. players not, yeah. not, not not like I think a couple of some of what, what might be going on at Everton at the moment you know that's the right target I think I think that's the thing that needs to be addressed at Everton footballers who've Defo. failed at clubs like Arsenal and Tottenham and ended up, end up washed up at Everton and who, who can't muster a performance when, yeah. when required I think for a very long time the, it's the men who appoint the men at Goodison mm. yeah. who were wrong um, and then somehow they get away with it, mm. you know. And Marcel Brands, for example, is getting an absolute, you know, great reputation from the Blues. Now we've got him, and he's isn't he great? But you know, there's serious gaps in that team that anyone can see that haven't been addressed on his watch. Journeyman footballers is always going to hurt you. Everton had a passionate club, great history. There you go. You know, they, they thought they were on the up. They've appointed a, a world-renowned manager. They're optimistic about the new stadium. They've got good reason for all that. They look at Liverpool, and it must be hard living next door to the greatest team in the world at this particular point in time. I can understand that. So they were absolutely set up to say, well, they are. Here's a bigger way end. You can go into the uh, Anfield. You can go and do something that a generation hasn't been done. And it's nailed on that you're going to win. And then who knows, you could go on to a cup run and, and whatever have you. And I actually said to a great friend of mine who I admire very much, Steve Kelly, before the game, I just said to him, well, if you win here, mate, and I'm sure you will now, and I really did think that he would, I'd love to see it in the Charity Shield. You know, that's how I felt about it. So mm. all this optimism <clears throat> and all this high of, you know, they must have had a spring in the step, rocking up at Anfield like that, and then to be let down in the manner that they did, you know, absolutely makes it, you know, a, a question of time now. So let's look acutely at this and let's get to the bottom line of these continuous problems and this continued mediocrity which Everton have, have done and yeah there's a lot of players there who, who need out and moving on and it's not as um, it's not as easy as it looks at first sight is it? It's not one or two is it? Uh, no. I, think, I think Everton's biggest problem is obviously when uh, Machiri took over you know, they kind of expected this Chelsea Man City type revolution and I think what they've come to realise pretty quickly is money isn't as, isn't as big a factor now in the Premier League or in football as it used to be you can't go out and just write blank checks for all players to come and sign here there because when you're the club decides this is not, not mean any disrespect when the commercial side of things for Everton probably isn't as big as what the likes of Liverpool is and stuff like that so you can't be bankrolled that's the thing exactly. isn't it the they money does matter but you can't be bankrolled it doesn't mean as much all teams have got money now the TV days are massive um, you know they can't go out and just buy any player you want to like Chelsea Man City did and get no repercussions from financial fair play it just doesn't work like that you've got to be savvy in the market like we have learned over the years we made plenty of mistakes ourselves but the scattergun approach which we used to have has now changed we now have round pegs and round holes which is something mm. we have to change over the years as well and Everton will have to learn you know, from their mistakes as well Another one of our rivals go back to actually on Steve this week who we got to see laid a little bit low uh, in their own grounds was uh, Manchester United up against mm. Manchester City the first thing was was the idea that you know at the minute 
for a variety of reasons we may see Manchester City is in the short term a greater rival a greater issue for our football club but what well, you know the historical weight is Manchester United that first half was about as, as and we've got to be careful we've got United in a couple of weeks they're more than capable of rocking up at Anfield and, and counter-attacking the weight of something but that first half was about as humiliating uh, half of football as I could ever imagine really being on the, the, mm. the receiving end of they were mm. just thoroughly outclassed in all areas yeah they were, they were, it was uh, it was pretty embarrassing to watch it was almost uncomfortable for a little bit for because uh, as good as Man City are to see a Man United side so devoid of effort and bite and, and, and work rate and for the managers to be sat on a bench looking a bit lost for me at times I think he, he almost glazes over the matches he doesn't even look like he, he's sort of you know out on the touchline barking instructions he looks a little bit out of his depth well a lot out of his depth if I'm being honest um, and I'd like to get right Man City City are a cracking side and they are capable of doing that to anyone but to have no, in, in a derby like that one is actually you know, no, no sort of Tenacious tackles, no, 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 sort of edge, edge to it at all. It was just a like literally men against boys. It mm. was, a, it was a very, very surprising to see. Sharon, you know, I think there was reasons why Damien listed them at the very top of the show. We wouldn't have necessarily wanted to be in the last four of this at this stage, and you should never turn your nose up at any trophy. We know that. No. But the flip side is, it is going to take it out of you. It looked to me as a real opportunity for City to almost find themselves a little bit. They looked like they were really enjoying themselves. Mm. They were enjoying what they've been asked to do. They were playing with massive freedom. They did, but it's hard to assess that in the context of. How poor Man United were in that first half. In that I've never no, I've never watched a match. My dad's this is season ticket holder at United. He is um, he is a card carrying a Damien. That's a fact. That's a fact. Yeah. Damien's possibly a poor. I did put it on the application form. Well, I must. Say, but to be fair to him, you do always want better for your kids than for yourself. So exactly. Fair. Yeah. 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 And and you know, in in some sort of reverse, you know, as they get older, they get more like kids. I want better for him than that. You know, I don't want my seventy odd year old dad having to go. And I, at half time, I thought to myself, just go, just go home. It was it was as abject as I've seen it in a really long time. For the to, to the point where. You could hear conversation in the crowd yeah. as City's goal was scored. You could hear fans not even like booing or even just talking. Talking about us, probably. I know, yeah. <laughs> well, we are talking about them, to be fair, yeah. Damien. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And, but, but so, like, as, as, as good as City were, it's, it's hard to assess it in the context of how poor that was. I think that um, Solskjaer did all he could in that second half just to not make it get any just, worse. Just to limit the damage. And for yeah. me, that's the thing I couldn't. I, I was watching it, Damien, and let's be watch. honest about this. This is, a, you know, they've got they've got more league titles than we've got. Uh, we've got more mm-hmm. European cups than them. They've got when you talk about money, they've got all the commercial money that you need. They've got a wage bill that's bigger than ours. All of that sort of stuff. I was I'm gobs every every now and again. I catch United, and as I say, they could come to Anfield and they could really put a rear guard action yeah, up. Let's, let's get it right. Let's yeah. not. This isn't about being smug. No. I'm just watching them thinking this is this is actually quietly astonishing. Mm. The gulf between yeah. them and us and the gulf between them and Man City, you know, you look at the points gap between them and Man City, you look at that performance, you look at the points gap between Man City and us, yeah. and I'm just looking at it thinking this is this is worlds apart, it's almost different sports. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Um, it's funny that Liverpool and Man United have never really been at the peak at the same time. Yeah. Mm. It's like a real pendulum, that, isn't it? I don't know what that's all about. But... Again, I go back to what I said about um, at Everton. It's, it's about the men who appoint the men. I couldn't believe... Solskjaer was appointed I'm not saying that with hindsight I was like go ahead appoint him I couldn't believe that the you know that the successor to Ferguson was who he was you know Moyes I mean where did that come from you know and so at first you can sort of handle it the squad can still finish in the top four Mourinho I thought was a completely wrong fit Mm. Van Gaal I thought was past his best and this all sounds like I'm the great football guru expert but I can honestly say I'm done hard these are the things I was saying at the time and Manchester United would have the pick of a lot 
and they've made some key wrong decisions. And I remember um, an interview with John Toshak a long time ago when he was talking about players at Anfield and through his time and that, and he said, the players aren't the difficult ones to replace. It's the backroom and the brains. Yeah. They're the difficult ones to replace. And Manchester United are probably in a position that, if we're honest, that they'd be looking at us in the 90s. They must have been saying exactly the same yep. things. Yep. And, you know, it does take its time to turn around. And and if and certainly this isn't being smug. This is an objective conversation about, you know, one of the great football clubs of the world. Certainly, you know, great rivals to us. You know, my... my uh, Feelings of beating them is, you know, in great achievements for us, you know. So I don't, you know, wish any on ill on anyone. But as a Liverpool supporter, again, you're talking about the distance between teams. Our rivals, if you look at it, it's like it's unfair, isn't it? Really, it's sort of like all our rivals <clears throat> have gone off the rails at once, and we haven't had the chance to enjoy Everton not doing well, yeah. and then Man United not doing well, and then going past Man City. It's like it's all happened in one season. And there's almost a sense that you can't enjoy it until something's been achieved. So it would be like next season that you can properly enjoy it because you can think, okay, that's the monkey off the back, and yeah. then we can. I'm enjoying it now. <laughs> well, I can tell yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think what comes to my mind in that conversation is that these things are cyclical and they are they must be due a good one so we've all, we've got that to kind of dread yeah. coming mm. around the corner hopefully not too soon then. hopefully not too soon I want to talk about a couple of very Liverpool specific bits before we uh, before we move ourselves along Steve uh, the first one is Mane wins African Footballer of the Year and it's a big deal uh, African Footballer of the Year in a way I think that's a little bit different from a couple of the other award ceremonies it means a lot to the players it means a lot to what still remains you know there's they love football across the whole continent. There's no getting away from that. But there is. It still feels like it's burgeoning. It's shifted. For instance, the time of the tournament, all of that sort of stuff. It, you know, the leagues are sort of settling themselves down. The players tend to be exports, and in a way, that's one of the reasons why I think the the pride that's kept in the players on a national level is just different to what we're used to. You know, I don't think we're all knocking around. You know, as much as I respect Raheem Sterling, I'm not looking at his achievements and feeling as though we've all played a massive part in mm. them. You look at Sadio Mane and what it means to, for him to win that award, but also what it means for the people of Senegal who sadly wasn't able to go and meet you know it, 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 it means a lot to them everything that he achieves at Liverpool Football Club Yeah I couldn't agree more and you know and there's, there's no one more deserving of, deserving of that title for me at the moment I think he's been absolutely outstanding for this mm. season um, I think it helps with that, that award as well that it's not always the same like, same. I mean, the, you know, with, with the Ballon d'Or it's, it's been Messi Ronaldo Messi Ronaldo for, for as long as I can imagine and everyone sort of knows the answer yeah. is Messi yeah, that we, yeah. can all do, we can all dance around yeah. it but yeah. he is the best of he's the, the football the world, <laughs> with the African player of the year it, you know it's always changing there's always someone else coming to the fore it, it's you know and for me Sadio Mane has been I mean, head and shoulders probably our best player this season I mean that, that's a, a bold statement because we've had so many good ones but you know I don't think anyone wants to win this league title more than, than Sadio Mane I think you can see that from the emotions mm, on the pitch yeah. the way he celebrates goals I've said this and before on the sideline on the, show. Yeah. <laughs> on the sideline you know, I think he, he, he absolutely lives and breathes his football club at the moment yeah. and I don't think you see a bigger smile on, on the pitch if, uh, if we're in the league than Sadio Mane's it's, uh, it's one day I mean, whereas the footballer himself being brilliant since the start of 2018 he's in competition with one of his teammates in Mo Salah obviously yeah. for this uh, you know Naby Keita is also a very 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 good footballer and hopefully we get to see more of it's I like I like the feeling of Liverpool as a as a world club in all oh, honesty definitely. as much as I liked for instance seeing the young lads come through seeing Curtis Jones bang one in it's a good week for both sides of that I want to see 18 yeah. year old lads from Liverpool bang one in simultaneously I love to see the fact that the African the best African footballer and for that matter the second best African footballer are players who play for Liverpool oh glorious yeah I mean I was brought up you know, we're all proud of the local players who do so well I was brought up um you know, my dad sort of would look and he enjoyed world stars coming to Anfield and you know, the 60s uh, European adventures was new and it was like, you know, they were almost watching film stars and then when our team become that good that we had those film stars and, you know, the status of that. So to have the two things on the go at once, making us a genuine 
worldwide club. Yeah, I'm really proud of that, and it's, it's absolutely delightful. Sadio Mane, I, I, I agree with Steve there. He's been absolutely... He's head and shoulders above anybody, I think, at the moment in what is officially the greatest team in the world. I mean, so if you look at the pride of him winning, you know, the African... You know the award that he's got. You can see it absolutely shines out of him. The pride of the players and going for an award like that. It's it's there to be celebrated on all kinds of levels. It it can promote football in that part of the world. It drives them forward, and we're better for those um, players and for those fans to look across and say, see what can be achieved in Liverpool. It's 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 the idea. I think, and I think Siobhan, I think it's the idea of the city and sort of embodies on its best days of being able to be simultaneously proud of a local thing proud of the locality but also wanting to be part of something that's global and as I say I'd like to think the city manages that in its best days and at the minute the football club's managing it as well I think that's a societal issue in Liverpool at the moment isn't it we've just seen it with the election and that we have <coughs> no regards for for any form of nationalism that mm. meant that we weren't embracing so you know it's nice to see that in every facet of the of the things we love um, and I think that for Sadio Mane in particular there's something really like it's the philanthropy sides of it as well like yeah. He 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 cares so much about where he comes from, and I think there's like a you see this with the African Cup of Nations winners all the time. You know when they're interviewed, it's never about them; it's about their coaches, it's about the fans back home and things like that. Like you were talking about beforehand, and there's something about this city, and I don't want to get all scout exceptionalism on 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 everyone, although I'm about to. Oh, please do. There is there is a sense of like we love a um, grafter, we mm. love an honest, in every sense, person. And there's something about succeeding from those sorts of backgrounds that means you have to graft and you have to be honest. And it's kind of like, it's like, um, it's it's a celebration of all that. It's like, um, oh, I've lost the word now, but it's it's like the proof in the pudding. He's he's come he's come back and he's proven that that's what he's done. And it's beyond it's beyond the footballing thing for him as well because his his next pledge wasn't it was in, in the summer go back to to Senegal and build more schools and build more you know like mm. community centres and all that. It's just it's it's a proper measure of the man. And the fit for me that those two things just come together so wonderfully. Last little thing is Rian Brewster, Damien, uh, off to Swansea for the rest of the season. Swansea mm-hmm. currently sits sixth in the championship. Steve Cooper, who's manager there, uh, used to be at Liverpool. I think it's quite. I, th- I think the most important thing for me is I'd almost rather he was doing that than going bottom three, four, five in the Premier League. I think yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Swansea are aside at the minute. There's a lot of youth there. There's a fair bit of creativity there. They've got a massive game at the weekend, which hopefully Brewster will start and get uh-huh. his debut against Cardiff away. There's a big running, is my point, and I'd rather he was tested in a big positive running Definitely. for Swansea than the idea of scrapping around along the bottom. Of the yeah, Premier if you look League. at it. And he's got that connection there with the previous coach and that. You want him to play in a team that's going to have the ball. You're going to have to want to play in a team that's going to be want, wanting to win and striving for <clears> things and striving for something at the end of the season. You know, if he was a centre back, you might want him involved uh, at the other end. You know, a team at the other end of the table, maybe, possibly, because then that's where he's going to be thrown into the deep end and learn mm-hmm. the tricks. But he needs to be surrounded by players who are going to want to provide him with the ball. He needs to be there to be playing his part in that. And so, if he's driving forward. And he's part of a, you know, getting used to being part of a successful attacking unit, which we hope the Swansea will be, given where they are on the table, what they're trying to do. Then that's a positive environment. And there's nothing for um, players' confidence in to be able to achieve goals that are set for them. And by goals, I mean goals. So if Brewster can go down there and knock the ball in the net a few times, he's already a confident lad. Um, there's no guarantees about him being a success at Liverpool. He's got all the raw ingredients, and we all hope so. Will he ever fit in with the style and whatever have you? Will he need to run? Mm. And at this point in time, we've got a lot of important stuff going on and we've got players who've been in front of him and so I think it's absolutely the bang on correct decision to do to get him there 
go uh, you'll be in full view of us you know we'll have all the highlights we, we love you Jürgen will be on the text day how's it going mate and all that keeper make sure you feel look forward to seeing uh, you back I'll, I'm gonna, I would watch anyway I watched the yeah. first one I'll watch Cardiff Swansea yeah yeah <coughs> so there you go you would so it's a high profile thing for him he's going to be in stadiums where you know it's packed there's going to be an atmosphere so it's just a positive um, aggressively positive environment that hopefully he flourishes in it's uh, you know it's done all of it Steve of, uh, of the top the current top six they've scored the fewest goals Swansea so far this season the goal difference is actually only two which suggests they've been scraping wins rather than getting them they're on 41 points third place is on 43 there's something there for him to do he's got a clear job to go in and do I think and I think that's what Rian Brewster needs a clear job where he can go and play football build his fitness as well we've got to remember that and start putting the ball in the back of the net yeah definitely I, I think pre-season maybe he was victim of his own hype a little bit I think we maybe got a little bit ahead of ourselves with the hype that was mm. he looked great though he, he did look really good and it's, it's hard not to get you know Get built up about a player who looks really good pre-season. You know, it is hard to forget. Some, it is easy to forget sometimes. It is pre-season. Uh, I think he'll do great. I think it's a good move for him. I, I think that championship is arguably probably the most competitive and toughest in Europe for me. I think it's it's that. And when I say that, I don't mean that the standards so high. I just mean that any other team can beat any other team. It, it is the yeah. most. People say that about the so Premier tough. League, but it is the most anyone can beat anyone. Oh, league. But, but I've ever seen. They play twice. They play twice a week usually. Right, right way through the season, about fifty odd games because there's that many teams. Uh, it's a great place to go and cut your teeth, and I think uh, it'll do really well. Excellent stuff indeed. Thank you very much uh, for this part from Siobhan, Damien, and uh, Steve. We'll be back in a minute or two with James Pierce. Our friends at The Athletic have started to do a daily transfer podcast, which both looks at the overwhelming way in which transfers operate and transfer strategy, which we're going to have James Pierce talking about it from a Liverpool point of view, a clip of that in a minute or two for you. But also within there, it talks about obviously the day-to-day transfer news, what's happening club by club. Uh, it's all fascinating stuff. You can find it on The Athletic's website, theathletic.com. Uh, you can also find it on Acast uh, and amongst other places as well. It is The Athletic's uh, Transfer Daily. Uh, it's hosted by a wide variety of people. They rotate the strike, as it were. It's very much worth listening to and here's a clip from James Pierce on it today you throw into the mix as well the fact that they've got pretty much every single key key player uh, tied down to new contracts in the last 12 to 18 months you know you think the likes of Mane and Salah and Firmino and you know Van Dijk all of these all of these guys are, are committed for the for the, the you know the uh, the peak years so um yeah, although Liverpool have enjoyed a you know a, a remarkable eighteen months, it's the foundations are incredibly strong for for them to turn this into a, a real golden era. And you know, Michael Edwards, a highly respected sporting director, you know, he, the, the structure that he's managed to put in place right through the club. Klopp, as you said, now committed to twenty twenty four. All of Klopp's staff as well on board, and I think we saw with the FA Cup tie last weekend against Everton that was kind of the the perfect illustration of of what he's put in place that you know the you know the the names on the back of the shirts might have been different but it really had the identity of a Liverpool team you know young players coming in and performing fearlessly um and, and you know and that that kind of mentality and and style runs right the way from the academy right through to a first team which is you know currently champions of Europe and, and top of the Premier League Interesting stuff from James there, but as I say, it covers transfers on a day-by-day basis, uh, gets itself out there so that you can be listening to it on your commute home and all that sort of stuff. You can sign up to subscribe to be able to listen to it all the time. You can find it through The Athletics, obviously, all the channels there on Twitter, on Facebook, etc., etc., but also uh, through the website and the app, as I said before. Uh, thank you very much indeed to James for that. And now we've got more James Pierce talking to Andy Heaton. Uh, let's go. Delighted to be joined by James Pierce of The Athletic. Uh, he's coming to the studio for a quick chat about the Reds, a couple of things going on this week. Um, we'll start with the big news of the week first off. Um, the surprise 
hyphenated. Uh, New kit deal with Liverpool officially announced the time with Nike for what the the club referred to again as a multi year deal, just like the contracts. No, uh, no firm figures on it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's been in the rounds, obviously, with the court case and New Balance, one yeah. thing and the other. But um, a good week for Liverpool. Very good week, yeah. There's uh, and there's been a fair few of them recently. Um, yeah, just confirmation, I think, wasn't it, of what we already knew. I was down in London for the for the uh, the court case back in October, and you know, Liverpool's point then, and it was in the court papers, was that as far as they were concerned, the arrangement with Nike was already legally binding by that point because they felt that New Balance hadn't. You know, although New Balance were adamant they had matched it, Liverpool's argument was they they clearly hadn't, and that their five-year deal with Nike was going to kick in in June 2020. So, um, yeah, this week was just confirmation, I think, of, of of what we already already expected and knew that would be happening next summer. It shows, does it not, how much the club is, is, on, is on the up in regards to when we first signed on with Warrior, the, the, the goings-on with Adidas, and Adidas didn't think Liverpool were basically worth the kit deal. Yeah, yeah. And we, I wouldn't say we were left scrabbling, but we, we were lucky to end up with Warrior because we were the first client. It was going to be their marquee name and one thing and the other. So we've gone from the big firms not really wanting anything to do with Liverpool to you know, ending up in the highest court in the land where you've got the, the biggest brand in global sports where, I mean, it sounds like a wrestler then, doesn't it? <laughs> but you've got like a brand as big as Nike yeah. fighting it out. To get the to get the, the Liverpool kit deal done, yeah, it does it does highlight the absolute transformation there's been in the club, both on on and off the pitch. Because you're right, you know, you think back to it, you know, Adidas almost you know couldn't wait to to get rid of it at the time because they felt it just wasn't you know lucrative enough for them. And but, but what, there, was, was, there was a quote, wasn't there, from the CEO saying yeah. Liverpool's uh, Liverpool's value of themselves isn't in line with the performance yeah. on the yeah. Yeah, yeah, which and then contrast that to this time around, where when it came up for for grabs again, you know, essentially they were all in for it. You know, Puma, Adidas were, you know, they had Liverpool had conversations with both of those. Of course, you, know, you only had to look at how hard New Balance fought to try and retain it, because you know they, by far and away, Liverpool, you know, their most prestigious um, partner, and were and were desperate to try and retain it. You know, as it was the. The, the High Court judgment went went Liverpool's way. Interestingly, it was because when I was down there listening to the arguments, it was, you know, because it, it looked like the big thing was going to be how many stores that these companies could get it into. And I remember, you know, New Balance were claiming they could go from 3,000 to 6,000. And, you know, when, when talks then, of doors and all kinds yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, when, when under cross examination, there were so many holes in how they claimed they were going to get from 3,000 to 6,000. And then you've got Nike. Are saying already they've already taken orders in eight thousand different stores across the globe. So it's um, you know it, there's a you know there's such a bigger player in terms of their distribution network. But interestingly, in the ju- judge's kind of ruling, it was it was more kind of the marketing side of things that seemed to sway him. The fact that you know the the that uh, that Nike had said you know LeBron James and and Serena Williams and and Drake were gonna be used as influencers to, yeah. to kind of enhance the brand and the reality was that New Balance don't have anyone so of the, that calibre. This is the interesting thing because uh, <clears throat> the more I think about it and not to use corporate bubble speak but the, you know the whole synergy arguments and stuff but you look at the what PSG have done with Nike and how well that's been received and you know I think Nike would put the, the, the messages from Nike are, are kind of similar that we're going to get the similar treatments but then there is a high bar for them to meet. I mean, if we're talking purely from a design point of view, because there's no denying it, while a couple of the early New Balance slash Warrior kits were a little bit, mm, over the last three years, they've absolutely smashed that out of the park. Yeah. Uh, with the three, especially with the home kits. Yeah, so yeah. a high bar. Yeah, it is, it is a lot to live up to. I don't think anyone could have any complaints 
about you know the, the the standard of the kits and you only have to look at you know the, I know success on the pitch helps but um you know each year they've they've broken records and and, and records and you know that's the that is the high bar that Nike have got to reach. I think for Liverpool, it's just a, fa- a fantastic deal. I think they view it because it allows this deal will grow as Liverpool continues to grow. Do you think they're viewing the, the, the reputational side of it um, as part of the deal, as in like American soccer, as they call it, it's, it's still an emerging growing market, you know, and it's just more of awareness. Like the, yeah. everyone talks about Air Jordan, LeBron, as you said yourself, you know. Yeah. And just to have that, that association. With Nike, yeah, maybe just maybe draw attention, and especially in China as well, yeah. where Nike also have the the, the they have the kit deal for the whole of the Chinese Super League yeah. as well. Yeah, that, that's definitely a big part of it. I think you know, especially in the, in the Far East, just how how much of a bigger player Nike are compared to to New Balance, and um, it's interesting because the figures. You know, when you, when you, like, I think it's what's it a flat fee of fee of thirty million. Well, this, this is what I'm saying. So New year, Balance which... were, were, were basically matched Nike's terms yeah. and actually offered more down. I think at some point, but Liverpool were like now. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I think the big the big attraction for Liverpool is the fact there's twenty percent of royalties on on all merchandise. That you know, and, and then and then you factor in as things like you know four million quid. I think it is for as a bonus for winning the Champions League. Four million for winning the Premier League. I think it's two million if you get to the the Champions League final. Um, but it's that twenty percent royalties, which which means that you're not tied in for the next five years. With with New Balance, it was very much a forty million pound a year deal. Um, and and Liverpool feel it with with Nike. You know, the bigger Liverpool get, the more and more presence they get with Nike around the globe that figure that it brings in will will grow I think you know to speak to some people behind the scenes and they're re- reluctant to put an exact figure on it but I think you know it's been said to me you're looking at probably 60 to 70 million yeah. a year and of course of... they're going to buy Kylian Mbappé for us as well. <laughs> which is very kind of them isn't it? and you give, pay his five-year contract as well so uh, so no I, I think yeah it's, it's you know it's a it's a you know a bit of, it's a prestige thing as well as a financial thing, I think, to have Nike on board and it shows how far the club's come, but I wouldn't be getting Mbappe on the back of a Liverpool shirt anytime soon. Well, not with Simon Sancho. Um, <laughs> on to other matters pertaining. Um, <coughs> you had a couple of hours with Pep Linders early in the week. Um, I'm not just saying this because you sat in front of me. Fantastic interview. Thank you. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, incredibly detailed amount of insight. Um, I mean, before we get into it, I read something someone says and he's like do you think and this isn't criticism by the way but because he gives so much away do you think they're aware of that or do you think it's a, it's a concern or or because you don't normally when you when, when you interview managers or assistant managers it's very straight bat it's very grey you could literally swap one person's quotes for another yeah. the boys work hard the train and blah 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 whereas this was almost forensic in some areas yeah um yeah, a few people said that to me actually, but I I must admit, like I I just it was such an absolute breath of fresh air to to it, you know I felt very honoured and privileged to spend that amount of time with him and for him to open up about you know not only his work at Liverpool but his journey to get to where he is. I just think he's an absolutely fascinating fella, Pep Linders. You know, he's still only thirty six. You know, you think he's he's been a coach now for nearly twenty years, and you know, it really has been a you incredibly know, a articulate. Work. He's incredibly oh, articulate as well, especially yeah. for someone who's who's not native. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've, you know, I'd, and I'd, 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 and again, I've I've never met anyone who loves football as much as him. Like I, I think I love football, and then you spend time with Pep Linders, and I come away thinking like. 
I don't love football like he loves football. Like this, this guy. Sport Billy. Yeah, this, 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 this guy. You know, he, the um, the intensity which you know, which he, you know, he speaks with. Just you can see how much it means to him, and you know, he's an absolute sponge in terms of you know taking things in and, and knowledge and expertise. And you know, you know, suddenly he's like grabbing your phone and three water bottles and reenacting a training session he put on with Porto under twelves, you know, six seven years ago, or whatever. And yeah, I don't. Going back to your earlier point, I don't. I don't think he. Get, I don't. When I when I read it back, I was thinking, you know, what is there in there? Like, there's there's no there's no state secrets given away there in terms of you know. There's fascinating insight. I'd like to think into how he how his job works out, and it was refreshing for someone to open up like that. But I think, you know, in in terms of you know, there's no. There's no like tactical. There are no secrets in football yeah. anymore. Really, yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah, and it's just um, more about, it's more, it was more about like, the, the culture thing. I found more fascinating yeah. than the actual detail of the training yeah. and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think I think he was, you know, I think obviously I spoke to him off, like, you know, once the tapes had been turned off afterwards, and you know, I think he was, I, I think he was, just, like kind of almost maybe a little bit concerned. Uh, have I said too much? And they said, no, it was, no, it was unbelievable <laughs> for someone, as you said, to you know, it's quite rare in football these days. A to get that amount of time with someone. At working at such a high level and B for them to be so honest um, yeah and it was yeah do you know I think probably in my six months at the Athletic that's probably the piece I've enjoyed writing more than any so far enjoy all the transcribing <laughs> that took a long that took a yeah that was uh, yeah that that was a bit of a, a labour of love for a couple of days typing all that out and that was the biggest thing because you know once I typed everything up and you know you don't type out obviously every word and you know there's repetition you leave out but I still had like 9,000 words and you know, even though the athletic love a long read, they don't love that. That's that's a long read and some. So um, I needed to get it down to about five thousand. So it was. Yeah, it took it took a it took a fair bit of putting together, um, and, and and trying to map out. You know, what was the best flow of it in terms of 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 doing it. But um, it, sure, that's one of the the things I really enjoy about this you know new role the fact that you're given that time and space to, to you can work take on care of, yeah take it's care not of you're not in that kind of hamster wheel of every single day having to to produce you know they gave me you know three four days to to put that together and um yeah you know professionally that's that's it's really satisfying to be given that chance just going back to Lindsay's had an incredible career path yeah. When you map it out for someone who's actually younger than me, and that disgusts me, frankly. <laughs> um, you know, and the, but even the fact that he left Liverpool, because normally when 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 people leave football clubs, I know they, they always say, "Oh, I'd rather leave out the front door than the back." But when someone leaves for their own ambition, that's normally it, and yeah. there's always like, a, "Well, all right, see you later then." But then to come back in, and for it to already be arranged that he's coming back in, it kind of. It, that's unique, isn't it? That, yeah. That's fairly unique. Yeah, and I think I think that says a lot about Jurgen Klopp as well. The way the way he is, the fact that you know, although he would have been very disappointed to have lost Pep Linders in that what was it January twenty eighteen, there was also you know the, the the compassionate human side of him was you know, and that must have been until until Pep Linders opened up to me, I had no idea about his father's battle with cancer, because at the time it was very much it was an ambitious professional move and that was certainly part of it he, the attraction for Pep was to go to NEC and be the main man be be the manager I reflect well and on Liverpool as well that they, yeah. they, they they let that not play out but yeah. you know and I, th- I think part of it was Klopp saying well, do you know what I can't knock that ambition you know that's 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 a coach wanting to better himself so he got that and then obviously when you then factor in which I didn't know previously about his dad's 
cancer battle and and Pep saying that, you know, as the oldest child, he felt almost guilty that he wasn't there for his dad. So he wanted, that was part of the reason for moving back home. But I think, and and again, what I didn't know, because, you know, the the kind of perceived wisdom was that Pep Linder had gone to Kiev um, and, and that it was in Kiev that kind of his return to Liverpool was sealed. And it was really interesting listening to Pep explain that, well, no, that, you know, that wasn't actually the way things panned out, that, you know, pretty much when, once Bovac had, had left Liverpool in, I think, what was it, probably early to mid-April, that, that Jürgen had, had rung him and said, you know, I want you back, but I don't just want you back as first-team development coach, I want you back as my number two. You know, this is a you know an enhanced role with much greater responsibilities. You, you will, you know, not only deliver training sessions, but you will basically plan everything. You know, you are responsible for the training uh, regime. And, um, you know, and, and so Pep Linders said then that essentially he was coming back to Liverpool regardless of whether he'd got NEC promoted or not. It certainly wasn't a case of he failed in the playoffs with NEC, left left them and then was looking for another job. It was very much, he, he was coming back to Liverpool regardless that summer. Um, and, and again, like one of my other favourite bits was him saying about, because I, I, I wanted to ask him about when when Rodgers got the sack, because he'd only been promoted to Melwood for three or four months at that point. And said, so, you know, were you not concerned that you weren't going to be kept on you because you were kind of someone else's man. And he said, well, that Mike Gordon had rung him straight away. Found and said, fascinating that, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, and there's definitely a really close... That was one of the other things I took away from it was the close bond between Pep Linders and Mike Gordon. You know, the fact that Mike Gordon, you know, made that abundantly clear to him that the same day that Rodgers was sacked, you will have a role to play in the new setup. And then when Klopp, Klopp said to Mike Gordon, I'm bringing in my own people, plus, but I'll have a goalkeeper coach and I'll have the sports science fella... And then Mike Gordon said to him, look, you need to give this Pep Linders a chance. I promise you, you'll like him. And then Klopp, you know, ringing Mike Gordon two months later and saying, uh, Mike, you lied to me. I, you know, you told me I'd like that Pep Linders. And I think there was an awkward silence for a few seconds before Klopp said, I, I don't like him. I love him. Fantastic. As of the full piece is in The Athletic. Um, loads of other really good stuff this week. Loads of good, re- really fun post-Derby fallout as well. <laughs> uh, some good Everton articles there as yeah, well. Yeah, But um, yeah, so get get involved, have a little read and uh, yeah, fantastic. James, thanks for coming in. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me, Andy. Cheers. Uh, brilliant. Back to the studio. And it's John Gibbons for the Last Fan Standing quiz for Weekend. And Last Fan Standing is a new quiz app which you can play on your phone. It's all LFC related so you can test your Liverpool knowledge against other fans. They play a quiz every night at seven o'clock which is just for fun. But then around the games they do a predictor quiz where you predict what's going to happen in the game and you can win cash prizes and congratulations to a few Anfield Rap listeners and subscribers who've won recently they always let us know when an Anfield Rap person wins and we're always delighted for you so well into those you've made a few quid so not just Liverpool winning every week at the moment but a few of you making some money of it as well I can't imagine much better uh, than that so we're going to do a little quiz now that last fan standing have supplied but do try and download the app and do try and get involved especially as me and Neil are doing the quizzes this weekend so we'll do Fridays at 7 o'clock which will be a bit of a build up to the Spurs game and then we'll do the predictor quiz on Saturday as well which you can play three hours before up to three hours before and guess what's going to happen in that Spurs game and as I say you might win some money but without further ado we've got Mark Warnock uh, on the phone me and Mark Mark's a scouser as you'll tell we've just been talking about uh, a few people that we both know mutual friends or, or family in your case Mark 
Yeah, yeah, my couple of my cousins, they're season second holders on the air. Anyway, I think we've both sort of jibbed it over the, over the time <laughs> after, because we've got good, like... <laughs> it's fantastic time, and yeah, they're, they're still knocking around. I remember seeing, uh, I remember seeing yeah, the yeah, in a few games. Yeah, <laughs> Well, good luck to you, Mark. Uh, we'll get going. Okay, so question one then. Uh, who scored Liverpool's winner against Everton in the recent FA Cup match at Anfield? Was it Curtis Jones or Divock Origi? Jones. Of course, yeah, you couldn't have got that one wrong. I mean, it is usually Divock, to be fair, so that might have thrown you, but a Curtis Jones okay, on yeah, this. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say, yeah. He's got a couple of last-minute ones against the Michelle. Yeah, yeah, but the most latest, obviously, Kurt. Okay, how many matches in Klopp's unbeaten streak against Everton since arriving in 2015? Is it eight or ten? So basically, Klopp's unbeaten against Everton, but it's done in eight games or ten since he joined. Uh, I think... Oh, God. It is 10, correct. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, you played the twice in the cup. Yeah, you, so, so it's, it's seven wins and three draws. Um, yeah. So, own goals is Liverpool's second top scorer against Everton. Is that true or false? So this is all time. Think about it. All, all time. time. <laughs> own goals is Liverpool's second, second top? top scorer against Everton. True or false? Oh, um... It's a lot harder, this. <laughs> <laughs> it is tough this week. I think. Oh God, I'm trying to think. No, it can't be. No, surely, surely there's a couple who've scored more than that. It's no, it's true. I'm afraid. Oh, uh, I'm afraid. Yeah, it is true. Think of Phil Neville, um, Sandy Brown. Know, going thinking, back to you. Few goals. Few goals back as well. If you think. But, you know, yeah. Oh, well. So Ian Rush number one. Uh, own goals number two. But I'm sure Divox catching them. Listen, we got there in the end. Uh, I had a few mess ups. I'll be honest. And we'll add that out. But uh, thanks a lot. I will send you an Anfield wrap t-shirt anyway. So it can't be bad. Uh, that's fair enough. <laughs> All right, nice one for, for playing. And uh, yeah, thanks to you for listening. And obviously download the Last Fan Standing app and get involved this weekend as well. Yeah, uh, Andy Heaton here, and I'm delighted to be joined by Brian Nash. Uh, Nash, uh, to those who might not know him, um, famously our Frankie Goes to Hollywood and other musical misdemeanors, fair to say. Uh, Brian's in today to talk about uh, an initiative and a song he's, he's put together with a couple of his friends called Good Men Do Nothing. It's um, it's out there and it's in aid of the, the Whitechapel Centre. Um, I mean, we'll talk, we'll talk about the, the centre in a bit, but I mean, what I'm, what I'm interested in, what, what kind of prompted you to do this what what provoked the thought oh well, well first thanks thanks for giving us the opportunity to talk about it um what prompted the thought about this well i moved back to liverpool in september and like any resident of this city uh you can't help but notice the amount of people we got sleeping in doorways um i'm living in the city center uh, i it got to the point where i would i would get home to where i am and i would have no change in my pocket uh, and I know I'm in, by the people I've spoke to, I'm not alone in that. Uh, it's just, it, it's absolutely heartbreaking. And um, I'd written a song that um, earlier in the year called Good Men Do Nothing, uh, uh, kind of about what, what was happening in Tory Britain. And I, I'd come back here not really intending to try and plant a musical flag. But with the election coming up and and then seeing all this homelessness in Liverpool uh, and knowing about the work of the Whitechapel Centre, I thought it would be an excuse to uh, get Mr Deary and pin him down to do something with Chris Mullen, who are two people I've known for a few years and I love Diggsy's voice 
And I, I met him last year and I said, when I move back to Liverpool, I'm coming for you. So it seemed like, it seemed like the, it, it, the timing of it was right. I, uh, I know a couple of people who'd, who'd worked and raised money for the Whitechapel Centre before. So I got put into them, went to see Ruth at the Whitechapel Centre. Um, and again, going in and seeing the work they do, it, there was the, one, the most hard-hitting thing. I've, I've got there about 10 minutes early, I've sat down. And a volunteer come up to me and says, you know, you're being seen too. I said, yeah, sound. And two sheets next to me, there's a pensioner. She's got to be mid-60s. Uh, a, a complexion that looks like it. she likes a drink or whether she's just in a rough situation outside. And this same volunteer asked this woman if she was all right. And she says, I'm fine, love. I'm just waiting for a shower. And that was the thing that really made me think, well, right, I've really got to make time make this happen. Um... Through Steve McFarlane, who was, who was the owner of the Pass Street building, he got us some studio time, went to see Diggsy, he was up for it, Chris Mullen was up for it, went to see John Johnson, uh, John, local photographer. Good good friend of ours, John, he's a lovely fellow. He's, he's, he's another beautiful human being, as Brendan would say. Um, and John, I, I asked John come and shot us recording it in the studio, some video stuff. And I asked him about, you know, we've we've both seen the street photography he does in Liverpool. I asked him if he had some um, some photographs of the homeless situation, and he said, no, I can put you on to this other lad who has... And it was someone who John hadn't even met. And I met up with Carl, and he's another one who's just an absolute belt, and he's been, he's been um, documenting this for the last six years. And when I seen the images of that, and it was like, that's brilliant, the track sounding great. So we just used 50 of Carl's images on the video with the track, and it's it's quite hard-hitting, and there's a text number to to donate, and that's about it, really. So, I mean, you mentioned the Whitechapel Centre. Just, just to give people who, who might not know, I mean, the Whitechapel Centre, we, we kind of live in a bubble, bubble in Liverpool, and, and, you know, people in Liverpool will know what the Whitechapel Centre is, but for those that don't, I mean, can you, can you just maybe talk us through the work they do, the services they offer, and, not, and you know, the, the need for, for the, the fundraising effort, because obviously, you know, it is it is a charity. Yeah, well, it, it, in, uh, in, in the last two years, well, you you talk to anybody in Liverpool who works in social services or works for the council or works in any sort of support network in the city, you'll know that due to the, the reduction, uh, uh, the drastic reduction in the last council budget, that there was huge cuts had to be make, made to uh, these kind of services. And uh, a safety net that was already had holes in it has, has had bigger holes slashed into it with these cuts. And... I think we can all say that, Andy. I mean, you, you've been you've been here all the time. I, I'm coming in and out, but to but to you, you must see the increase on the streets of how how more many more people there is now who are out there. And I think no, but what, what I was saying, but for me, and, and we've seen it exponentially increase. But when you see it every day, it's kind of the drip, 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 and it must have been a shock for you coming, having been away. Yeah, I mean, I don't spend a lot of time in central London when I was living there, but you would have the same thing there. But they kind of be congregated, and but it's um, and they seem to be people who, who who have been doing this for a long time. But I've I come across people who look like they've been doing this for two days. And when I say they've been doing it a long time, I don't imply that they're, they're up to any up to no good or they're trying to scam people. It's just uh, it's how how they're treated by other people. And and I think um, I don't think the general public are callous and want to turn 
a, a cold shoulder to them at all. But we're kind of embarrassed because we don't know how to deal with them. And, and this this was the thing when I started promoting this video, was um, was like you know if if not everybody can go around giving nuggets to every girl or, or girl sitting in a doorway, but a hello or, or how are you doing? Well, there, there is. See, I was going to mention this because I've, I've read a really good interview, a couple of your quotes in the brilliant, and there is kind of almost like a. A social awkwardness or anxiety where you don't know how to speak to people. I, I, I'm not blaming them as people, but someone who might be on the streets, you know, you don't know how to address, you don't know how to speak to them, you don't know what. Yeah. When the fact of the matter is, as, as you said, half the time, all he, all he wants a kind words and, you know, yeah. conversations and to be made to feel human. Oh, you know what, you know what, mate? If you can go into Greg's and speak to the girl behind the counter who's giving you the pasty, then go and give the pasty to the geezer who's sitting in the doorway because. It's that easy, just because, and and I think, I think the thing is because these people are sitting down and and they're below eye level, and and it's it there's something in that body language of it maybe that we're looking down on them just because of of how they, their posture is and where they're sitting. They've still got the dignity. Yeah, absolutely, and and every single one of us is is a bad partner, a bad landlord, a, a bad addiction, a bad parent away from being in that situation, and especially now. Uh, People who, who I spoke to at the Whitechapel Centre, and I would say going back to the work they do, they help people trying to get jobs, help people trying to get housing. You know, there's a place for them to go in and have a shower or go and do the laundry. And, and you know, it, but th- these kind of places aren't for everybody. A, a lot of these centres will not take people with, who've got drug and alcohol problems. Those people prefer to stay on the streets. But I, I think if you can't give money... Um, you know, be surprised to speak to these people. I mean, I, I was speaking to a fellow the other day in the doorway in Burger King on Church Street, and I just said to him, how, how, how are you doing? Because, they, and they speak to you like, you, you know, on a one-to-one level, a fellow says, oh, it's all right, it hasn't been too bad, the weather hasn't been too bad, and I just said to him, how do you end up here? He said, in and out of jail, I was on remand, ended up going to hospital and having an operation because of how I was living. Miss me with a man's appointment, ends up going back in jail. So it's like, it's just, it's just it's a cycle. It's, yeah, yeah, it's just like moving this problem on. And and I think the Whitechapel, everybody, I mean, there's people who listen to this program all over the world. And I would say homelessness is a worldwide problem and it ain't going away anytime soon. So my thing would be look to your own homeless people, uh, you know, f- in favour of going to places like your big high street charities, you know, where, where, where you're, you're, you're giving your money and your donations to these people. And, uh, you know, the, the CEOs of the company are on millions of pounds a year, you know, and, and it's like what, the, the, these people are threatening local businesses, what they're selling now, you know, furniture and white goods. I think we've got to bring to charity begins at home and... and this is my own. This is where it starts. So you said about five minutes ago, you know, it, if, if you can't afford to give, uh, you know, just a, a kind of... So I'm going to do the Bob Geldof piece and all this and say, yeah. but if you can, you know, get involved. This is a massive problem. It is an hard doorstep. We are responsible. Yeah. We are responsible for the environment that we live in. And if you do want to help, uh, you can do so by visiting the whitechapelcentre.co.uk. You can also listen to the video for the song uh, Good Men Do Nothing. Um, but the actual cash details and listen carefully. If you can spare five pounds, text no name or one word to seven zero zero eight five. As Brian alluded, there every single penny that comes in goes straight to the Whitechapel Centre. Doesn't go anywhere else, yeah. and they reinvest that money in providing these services and care for people yeah. who were less less fortunate. 
than we are at the moment. But as Brian also said, that could be any one of us at any given time. Could be, or any any member of our family, mate. We, it's, um, I say, it's the, it's just. Do what you can, and I say I'm not saying give it to the Whitechapel Centre. If you're in, you know, if you're in Singapore or, or in Australia or wherever you listen to this, just give, do a little bit for someone in your local area, uh, a local charity, something that's doing for the people who who, who, were, who were sitting, who you're seeing in the doorways. You know what I mean? As a rather some vague, huge, massive charity. You know, keep it local. Yeah, indeed. I think that resonate that best resonates with everyone. Brian, thanks for coming in to talk about Mate, this. Thank you for best giving us the exposure, as boss. But it's just to say that the video is on the Whitechapel Centre. It's whitechapelcentre.co.uk, and the video is on the index page there. And if you don't want to text or something, I know sometimes if you're in a foreign country, it's difficult to do that. There is a donation page there, and be sure to include your gift aid as well if you can. There you go. Fantastic. Thanks, Brian. Once again, thanks very Cheers, much. Brother. Pleasure thank to you. have you in. So it was Salzburg away where me and John for the first time did live commentary through Hot Mike and we were quite, uh, John, we were nervous is the wrong way to phrase it really. It was just like another sort of new adventure, another new sort of thing to try and do and we just really enjoyed it and the feedback was overwhelmingly positive from so many of the listeners that we've decided we're going to do it again for Tottenham. Yeah, it was a bit of a step into the unknown, wasn't it? And a few people have asked us in the past whether we do commentary and we said, well, you know, we'd like to and we understand why there's a market out there for it, you know, around the world and, and things like that to have, you know, more kind of authentic, if you like, kind of partisan commentary and it certainly was partisan. Um, and, and you know, we, we knew, but we, we knew there was demand out there, but we weren't quite sure how it was going to work. And luckily, Hot Mike approached us with a, with a, a what is a fantastic product, it must be said, and, and said, would you, would you guys... Still don't entirely understand the science. <laughs> ...be interested in getting involved and, you know, what's the most impressive thing about the whole thing is the it syncs to your TV so you know we're obviously all watching in the game in different parts of the world we're watching in, in different ways different broadcasters and, and different delays if you like but Hot, hot mic, the technology listens to your TV, listens to the background, can sync up the commentary, and then and then it just works as a dream from there. So, so you still can hear the crowd noise, you can hear all of that, but you've just got me and John over the top. Yeah, over the, over the top, and obviously you know it comes through your phone, but then you know if you if you've got the technology, you can you can sync that into your, your home entertainment system and stuff like that. And people really enjoyed it. Uh, we got really good feedback during the game. We got really good feedback after, um, and so yeah, so we're well off of doing it again. And another good thing as well, last time it was just Apple, um, but now the Android version of the app is fully working as well. It's been tested and that's going great as well. So uh, hopefully a lot more people will join us this time uh, for the Spurs game on Saturday. So what's the best way for people to sign up, John, in terms of making them aware that we're, we're doing it and getting on and when should they download the app and what should they do? Okay, so maybe the easiest thing is just to go to the website, which is um, hotmic.io. So hotmic is spelled H. H-O-T-M-I-C dot I-O and then you can download it from either the Apple App Store or from Google Play from there. Um, you can obviously do it through your through your App Store or Google Play on your phones as well and just search for Hot Mic and that'll come up. But the reason I said do it through the website is there's a really good tutorial on there, uh, 60, to, 60 seconds to 96 seconds, which basically tells you what to do. Yeah. So it tells you to, you know, how to, how to find the game you want, how to find the commentators you want, which is us. They call us talent, which I like 
Neil. Do they? And not enough people knocking about calling us talents. Absolutely not. I'm going to be starting to the head of ops, does it? See how that goes down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Referring so to us as the talents. As the talents, yeah. What are the talents up to? Where are the talent today? Yeah, uh, exactly. Just out getting a butty from Tesco. <laughs> uh, that, that's where the talent is uh, right uh, now, yeah. yeah. Uh, adventurous lunch from John again. Yeah, the talent's, the, the talent's looking for yellow stickered salted caramel mousse uh, as we speak. <laughs> so, yeah, so if you do go to the, the, the Hot Mike website, there is a, there is a really good... Um, I say download video of, of how to kind of listen but basically once you've downloaded the app um, you'll get a prompt which is a download code now this is how we get paid basically I'll be completely honest with you so for when the download <laughs> when the download get code this comes bit up, right yeah you, you put in Anfield rap that's all one word no the forget the the no ne- the. never should have been one no. um, it's just Anfield rap uh, they put it in capitals but I don't think it necessarily minds but you put Anfield rap in as the download code it's completely free it doesn't cost you anything but they obviously registered that, that we've sent them their way so it helps us get paid and then then they click follow and share follow if they want to follow us and get all of our whenever we do a commentary get the notifications we obviously want the followers as well. We want people to say that they're, they're on hot mic for the Anfield rap. So we're, we're very into the follower aspect. Yeah, so the, the, the beauty of the... So once you've downloaded it and once you put the download code in, you, you're ready to go then and you can you can listen to, you know, anything. I mean, if you're into the American sports, there's absolutely loads going on there. So obviously the NFL's getting exciting at the moment and, 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 and stuff like that. I think basketball season's kind of get, get um, getting into the to the end years as well. So it's, 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 there's a lot going on in America if you, if you do want to kind of give this a go on, on their commentary. But obviously we will be there for the Tottenham Liverpool game on Saturday so we'll be there and you can listen the good thing about following is it'll then give you a notification whenever we do this in the future so we're going to try and do quite a few so the next one we're looking at at the moment is probably Wolves on Thursday 23rd of January and then into February hoping to do one or two as well but this will give you the notification so do try and follow us on there as well because that will help us out and then the share button is basically once the game's going if you want to let other people know that they can join us you want to let people know that they're doing it so share it with friends on whatsapp and things like that you know get on the Anfield rap commentary if you're in a supporters club we'd love it if you could share it you know in your groups on there your facebook groups or whatever so that's what the share button does on there but any of those three things are just really help us and as i say it's completely free and it's just hopefully going to add to your experience of watching the reds on saturday and beyond yeah uh john's not able to do this one he's going the match which is perfectly reasonable uh, i'm probably not going to do the wolves one because i'll be going the match which is perfectly reasonable but and, and you can see we're not doing any of the home ones because we're at the game and you know yeah. that we're at the game and that's what we're about but we don't go to every away game and we don't pretend that we do either I think it's, it's important to be quite clear you about that you, you can't for tickets but also you can't for your life yeah. uh, and you know you're trying to have some degree of football slash work slash life balance in amongst all of this but John is doing Tottenham away it's your first away for ages I think isn't it I haven't done many this season because yeah, yeah, uh, of the baby yeah. and it's just you know you, you want to be at home a lot more and also you're just more tired yeah. like when I went to Sheffield United where he was like I think he was less than a month but I really wanted to do because obviously they'd just come up I reckon I was in bed by half six yeah there was a lot of me telling you how I sleep you were on the train <laughs> I, had a, I had a lot of people taking pictures and texting me saying John is very asleep on yeah. this train so by in bed by half six I'd already slept all the way home <laughs> so yeah but John is doing Tottenham he'll have a fantastic time but you'll have a fa- fantastic time if you listen to it with me and whoever I end up with next to me I haven't sorted that bit out yet uh, which you might think well that's a bit lax isn't it Neil but you know I've only got one <laughs> pair of hands uh, <laughs> so we'll be sorting that out as to who it is we'll, well, I'll confirm uh, as to who it is who's going to be uh, going to be uh, doing Liverpool Tottenham with me uh, and we'll go from there and hopefully 
hopefully we'll have a ton of fun and yeah. do enjoy it. We really enjoyed doing the Salzburg one. We weren't sure if we would or we wouldn't, but we really, really did. But any any issues as well? They're really active on Twitter, hot mic. So uh, do you know if you, if you, I mean it, it is very straightforward. It's, but if you if you do have any problems and stuff like the the guys are awesome at hot mic and they will help you out. Yes, do find them on Twitter. We'll tweet it out. And genuinely, if you are having any problems, do go to them. Don't come to us. I mean, God, we're struggling with our own bits and pieces. The minute you look at it. <laughs> so you know you want to go to the competent people out there. Uh, go speak to Colin. Uh, speak to Hot Mike they'll get it sorted out for you so we're really looking forward to it it is uh, Tottenham versus Liverpool as I say we'll be doing it we'll be enjoying it as well with a bit of luck I'm actually really confident about the game as, as confident as I've been for a while about the Liverpool match strangely as we keep winning but I'm really looking forward to it it should be an absolute belter uh, share it with us uh, go to hotmike.io I'm joined by Charlie Eccleshare of The Athletic uh, to talk through uh, Tottenham. Uh, you can subscribe to The Athletic through the Anfield app. If you go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash the Anfield app, you'll find everything you need there to crack on with because uh, you get lots of fantastic writing, including Charlie uh, writing about Tottenham and writing this week about Jan Vertonghen. And I'd say that Vertonghen may well be a, a wider sort of Spurs question is that a lot of these players, whether it's because of age or whether it's because they've, they've played so much football for two years, two and a half years, Charlie, one of my takeaways from whenever I see Spurs at the moment is they look like a lot of players who, who've got miles on the clock somewhere yeah no that's definitely fair and, and yeah I sort of touched on it in my piece you know he's he's kind of symptomatic of a wider trend of players who you know feel like they're on a bit of a downward trajectory now obviously he's a bit older uh, than, than some of them he turns 33 uh, in April so you know, he is at that age where, you know, any player starts to decline physically. But yeah, um, yeah as well, you know, he's been there, it'll be eight years in the summer. So, you know, a really good stint. Uh, and one of his former coaches that I spoke to wondered if, you know, it might be time, you know, for, for, for his sake, as well as the clubs, you know, for a change. But um, we'll see, you know, he's, he's a very, very good player still, but I feel he does need to be carefully managed. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> Once Ben Davis is back and possibly Danny Rose, uh, he needs to be played in the middle rather than on the left because that's uh, not really his best position. What he also doesn't need is five games over Christmas, if we're honest about it, Charlie. And there's a few of them who've had to go go long over Christmas. Yeah, I mean that's what I mean about the manage, the, you know, being managed more carefully. And again, look, there have been injuries, so uh, that's forced the manager's hand to a degree. But yeah, he, he started every single game um, over that jam-packed Christmas period, and that, and that is a lot. Is there, in general, with the Spurs side, because it, it seems strange to me when, when Mourinho first came in and nothing's gone yet, let's be clear about this, you know, they're still in the FA Cup, still in the Champions League. Uh, the, the the task of fourth looks at least still possible, if not that likely. But was there a general feeling he'd get more out of them quicker? Because that's the surprise to me. Chelsea have slipped up, albeit they go to Tottenham and win. Chelsea have slipped up, but it isn't doesn't feel as though Tottenham have taken advantage as I might have expected when Mourinho got in there. Yeah, it's been a weird sort of story arc because uh, I think when Mourinho came, they were 12 points off the top four. And then now, I think this is right, they're six off Chelsea. So they have closed the gap to a degree. You know, they halved it. But what, what, what happened was that they very quickly, Mourinho came in and got it down to three points. And then they had a chance to actually go fourth when they played Chelsea uh, at home just before Christmas. Now, then they lost that and that kind of checked momentum. And, and that was a bit of a turning point because when Mourinho first came in, there was that bounce, you know, and they, and they won a few games and, and it did look like there'd been an instant turnaround. Now, over 12 games in total, it feels a little bit like they've regressed back to not that much better than where they were in the kind of, you know, the dog days of Pochettino. So, um, yeah, I think it's... 
there hasn't maybe been over that period the the uptick uh, that you would have hoped it's kind of all calmed down a little bit after that initial flurry of excitement has he found you think the both the injuries that were there when he start when he arrived but also the ones that have been picked up since a little bit tricky i mean you know i'm not i'm not into sort of overly criticizing players but it does look to me as though there's a bit of a gulf for instance between Luis uh, and the current goalkeeper uh you know if there's one thing gazaniga if there's one thing that Mourinho's sides always tend to have it's the best goalkeeper he can get his hands on whereas at the minute he's got to deal with this i've mentioned before there's an issue well you mentioned ben davis has got an issue he's publicly discussed and dombele fitness he's now lost to Soko is there a little thing here where he will be ever so slightly just sort of wondering to himself whether or not he, you know if things would be a little bit different if he could just get a few more on the pitch a bit more regularly yeah I mean that has become an issue for them because you know I mean New Year's Day was terrible they lost Kane and now Sissoko both to reasonably serious injuries I think generally, you know, with, you mentioned there with Gazaniga, and, and I think that's interesting. And he, you know, he's not, he's been okay, but he's not quite that level of, of Hugo Lloris. But generally, the defence has just been so poor uh, under him. You know, they've, they've kept one clean sheet in 12. And it's all just very un Mourinho-like. And, and actually, I've, I've written a piece this week that will be on The Athletic um, sort of Thursday, Friday. So maybe w- when you listen to this, uh, looking at that, at that defence and, you know, whether... Mourinho will be able to, you know, make it as resolute as we associate with his previous teams. And it's interesting, you know, the fact they're playing Liverpool this weekend, because that's been a team uh, that he's frustrated on so many occasions. You know, even when he was at United, got a couple of dreadful nil-nils at Anfield. And and it felt like, you know, the muscle memory of of getting those draws, uh, getting those clean sheets against Liverpool remains. So, you know, obviously Liverpool have improved immeasurably since then, but... um, yeah, can he still do it? He says he can. And I, I asked him in a press conference, you know, about the, the defence. And he said he still could, he can do it. He said uh, that the problem is that then you'd have to lose something going forward, uh, which is interesting because, as my colleague Jack Pitt-Brook pointed out, you know, most of the best teams in Liverpool are very much amongst them. You know, attack doesn't come at the expense of defence. You know, they're interlinked and by overwhelming teams going forward you you are often more secure defensively because your opponents just have nothing left to try and attack you with so it was quite an interesting distinction that Mourinho made and I'm really curious to see how they defend uh, on the weekend when we discussed that you'd expect it to be Aurier, Sanchez, Alderweireld and Vertonghen still across the back four uh, maybe with with Winks possibly in front of that back four or Dyer in front, or, I mean, I think Dyer, if he's fit, will, will almost certainly play. The other option, what they have done a little bit recently, is played three at the back, uh, with then Session as the left wing back, uh, and Aurier as the right wing back. Um, and then, you know, it could be a combination of, you know, any of three of Vertonghen, Alderweireld, uh, Dyer and Sanchez. But I suspect Dyer will play in midfield, and they will go back to that four with the tongue at left back but you know that, that does leave him exposed potentially uh, and then ahead I mean the one thing I would say is that you know Tottenham have been a club that Liverpool have had such an awareness of and I can go right the way back to the final obviously in Madrid's games way before and while Kane has got across a number of different competitions a, a decent record against Liverpool in front of goal you do sort of wonder Madrid being one example, but there are a couple of others, whether or not at times Tottenham can operate a little bit better with the, the sort of the idea of blister and pace of Son and Mora. So it isn't necessarily, for this game against Liverpool, Tottenham may well, you know, they may well end up better served by, by having to sort of go with what they've got maybe, then end up having to make a choice between Mora or Son to be more solid against Liverpool. They get to at least go with the lads who can carry the ball and the lads who can carry the ball with, with real pace. 
Well, the, yeah, the interesting thing is, I mean, this is a big debate uh, that comes up every time Kane gets injured is, you know, how Tottenham cope without him. They, they have gone on runs without him and, and done quite well. But they've also been, uh, they haven't done particularly well without him of late. I think as well, the manager change is important here because previously under Pochettino, you would back them to be able to play in that kind of way, you know, more in a kind of Liverpool mould where you've got a bunch of um, pacey, mobile forwards. Under Mourinho, though, he has asked Kane to do more of a kind of classic target man role. And now without him, that's going to require quite a big change in mentality and approach. And Mourinho was complaining after the Middlesbrough game that, you know, he doesn't have a number nine. But, you know, the concept of a number nine has changed. You know, I don't think many teams play with a, an orthodox classic number nine as, as we used to, to think of them. So, yeah. it, you know, that, that will be interesting. It, yes, it, it does pose uh, potential opportunities for for Tottenham, um, you know, as well as obviously, you know, a, a, a massive loss in Kane. Yes, that there is the opportunity to play in a slightly different way. It's just, you know, how much Mourinho will embrace that. Um, and how quickly, because he's got to get used to that pretty swiftly in time for Saturday. Last little thing is the conversation around Ericsson, which is ongoing. But the thing I found interesting is that, the, and maybe you'll correct me on, by all means do, I've not really felt there's a way in which I think if he was playing for Liverpool, Manchester United, Everton, there'd be a certain level of ire towards him by this stage. It does seem to me as though there's still a great deal of respect and a good bond between him and the Tottenham supporters, despite the fact that he hasn't signed this contract and it does look like he's going to move. Is that fair or is the beginning to be a bit of a growing disquiet around the choices that he's made yeah i think there is quite a lot of frustration um he he, he you know certainly on social media which isn't you know the best way to judge necessarily yeah. i think there are uh you know i i've tweeted you know saying ericsson on the bench and there's quite a lot of like well he should be you know he shouldn't be starting games if he wants to leave that sort of thing uh, at games he you know how certain players if they give the ball away get a lot of criticism whereas others absolutely sort of insulated uh he is one of those who gets a lot of criticism and actually it was at anfield uh the reverse fixture uh back in october and i really noticed it then for the first time you know, he was getting a lot of abuse uh every and, and he had a poor game um you know every time he got the gave the ball away he was getting screamed at so i i, I think the problem is for a player is once you once it's no you want to leave then you're viewed through that prism and so mistakes are no longer viewed as just mistakes they're viewed as you not trying and not yeah. caring um so yeah i think i think there is a degree of, of animosity towards me and, and just disappointment you know i think people feel you know it's always sad when a player makes it clear they want to leave uh, I, I actually think he's been okay the last few weeks i think he's been uh one of spurs better players but um yeah obviously the uncertainty doesn't really doesn't really help anyone uh, give us a quick prediction for the scoreline you know i've got a weird feeling that spurs might get something it's it's <laughs> not based on uh on any evidence um and i've been widely criticized for it but i think it would be one <laughs> it's all right yeah. to want a team to win or think that they might i mean you know that's fine go on what's what prediction what score line yeah i'm gonna go one all one all uh excellent stuff thank you very much to charlie do subscribe to the athletic it is the athletic.co.uk forward slash the anfield rap to be able to do that uh, let's move on with our show we're back. It's the weekender, as you know. Uh, it's one of our little chat segments as we go through them, John. And this one's about Harry's uh, and essentially the fact that you, everyone needs to go to harrys.com forward slash Anfield in order to get the offer at three ninety five. The trial set there, uh, but as ever, we are genuinely using Harry's. Uh, if we weren't, this would all be a bit ridiculous. <laughs> yes, it is my uh, my favoured shaving experiences, and yep. I've done others. 
Um, up yeah. to and including where I forget my uh, Harry's razor when I go abroad, which is frustrating as anything, not least because you get that free travel cover. You do, yeah. <laughs> None of us are using it, but we all get it. <laughs> and so, you know, and then you have to buy something in, yeah. um, in duty free or whatever, or, or from a or from a chemist over over wherever you go. In. Well, as I always say, they're going to have things in the place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Whenever I'm going abroad, like yeah. there was that moment of I'll be in the airport and I'll think about all the things I've forgotten. And I'll have like two minutes of anxiety, yeah. and I've got to get this, this, and this. And then it's like, no, Neil, you. you go into a place that's going to sell stuff yeah uh, but, but programmed into your mind it's like you're not going to see a shop for two weeks <laughs> nearly you go to Tokyo it's going to be sound yeah you sell underwear <laughs> yeah um, but yeah the only frustration is obviously if you get used to a certain standard of underwear or razors in yeah. this case and then you have to buy something and it's just not as good so that's happened to me recently so it's made me appreciate my uh, beautiful Harry's razor with that ergonomic handle even more it is the uh, I always talk about the aloe vera shave gel uh, because it is does make a difference for us uh, and uh, the fact that it is a good weighted razor uh, nice to use in your hand uh, as it comes right the way across uh, and it is the story as well you know they, they bought a factory in Germany that have been making blades for over 100 years uh, it's got six more than 600 engineers we're made up we've got 14 staff <laughs> more than 600 engineers designers craftsmen and chemists uh, make the products from the finest materials and ingredients honestly I feel like Jeff and Andy have got away from us one more time <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know they're growing at a faster rate it's only going one way as well isn't yeah it? yeah I, feel, I honestly feel like we're very much coming off second best against them uh, I don't know why I'm quite why I'm measuring myself against them all of a sudden <laughs> Jeff but, and Andy yeah. do you think they're having a meeting somewhere talking about John and Neil you want to keep your eye on them boys I really hope that they are a couple uh, of kids with a crazy dream yeah. <laughs> yeah very much so they're also committed everyone me, John, Jeff and Andy are committed to quality at a fair price yeah indeed in, yeah. in their instance shaving in our instance <laughs> podcasts and video uh, we are all we're, all we're all fighting the same battle somewhere so, so we're you, all going up against the big boys we are you've indeed. had their, their own way for far too long <laughs> It's the way it goes. So they've got everything that you need. It is the weighted ergonomic handle. It is the five precision engineered blades with the lubricating strip and the trimmer blade on there as well. Uh, the shave gel, uh, aloe vera shave gel, which is the absolute business. The travel blade cover, when I say everything you need, everything you forget, uh, that's in there as well. You can start today. It is three ninety five for the trial set. Uh, so feel free to jump on there. There is uh, an offer that they've made through the Anfield wrap. Uh, it is harrys.com forward slash Anfield to do it. Uh, they do check as to how we get on. So if you are going to, if you've been interested in the Harry's thing for a while and you're not being sure do it through us uh, someone somewhere is counting we've been assured of that uh, so get it delivered to you the trial set it is harrys.com forward slash Anfield crack on with it right now uh, great to speak to everyone right the way through the show um, Damien first and foremost it's one of those ones this one Tottenham where you find yourself in a position of effectively remembering that they are a side who were good enough to get to a Champions League final effectively remembering the side who've still got some very very good players but simultaneously from the outside looking in all those players, pretty much all of them have got a little question mark against them at the moment. And I think that's maybe a reminder to everyone how quickly football teams can occasionally yeah. just go a little bit wrong. Yeah. They look like they're sulking a bit, don't they? Um, that the lack of transfer activity that preceded a window or two ago was finally caught up with them. That they had a manager who was absolutely a candidate for all kinds of jobs around the world. And for some reason, he was either frustrated, blocked, or he went stale. And it just seems like... Yeah, did it, did it, and be honest, if you looked at the league form in the second half of last season, it was like the the, the big cup was kind of disguising that a little bit, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. And if you look at the the run of results, you know, in the calendar year that's gone by, it's kind of more of the same at the moment. Yeah, it's um, a, again with a big atmosphere, maybe with a bit of revenge in mind. Yeah, um, and a manager who, who irks most people, 
well, any, anyone who's sensible, he, he certainly acts any of them, doesn't he? Um, all that could combine to them putting in a, you know, some good players, putting in a good shift and the ball running for them and, and them doing well. But how many times have we had this conversation this season? Yeah. <laughs> I, forgot, I forgot what it looks like to lose. That, you know, and that, that and this machine that is Liverpool, you could say, oh, you could say, okay, Spurs could really go for it. They could have a good rearguard action. They could get a goal. Liverpool could match them, but Spurs win one 0 But he could, he could go down there and just control that game. Well, that that we said that, and then it happened, Steve, in the game at Anfield. We'll have said, well, they could, mm. one could just go in for them, and then the one 0 up, and then they're going to hang on from there. But Liverpool found the way and got the two one victory. Yeah. You know, in, in those circumstances, it's actually an important victory. Mm. I think in the context of the overall run, and because so many of them have felt that way, you, you sort of lose them a little bit. But I think that one was important in that that was Spurs' attempt at, at revenge. They've got another one this weekend in front of their own supporters, but they just look so brittle to me at the moment. And it looks like there's a lot of everything feels patched up. The, the Vertonghen yeah. feels patched up. The right back feels patched up. Eric Dyer trying to sit in front feels patched up. Mm. Deli Ali feels a bit patched up at the moment. Everything just feels a little bit make do and mend, and not like it's 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 built on a proper structure. Yeah, they've definitely got a bit of a soft underbelly at the moment for me. I, th- I think the Tottenham teams of you know the last sort of five and six years when we played them home and away, they've had the likes of you know <coughs> Dyer when he was a, a sort of a better player than he is now. We had one yard, but they had real strength and power in that mm-hmm. midfield. And looking at what he's got available to play on against us on Saturday, I'd say that they haven't got anything like close to what they used to have. For yeah. Sort of you know pace wise, for strength wise, and uh, I mean Harry Winks isn't exactly the, the most um, imposing lad on the football pitch, is he? But you know uh, him and Dyer wouldn't be would, wouldn't be scaring me too much if those two lined up against them midfield um, you know, but we've got to remember who we're playing you know, we, if there's no one better who's, who's dogging it out than Joe Mourinho against us at times he'll set them up to, to be really really hard to beat and uh, it's all about Liverpool can break them down and get, if you get an early breakthrough I, I think their heads could go down and we could really take, take them to school but I think I'm always wary playing Mourinho side always because he, he's always that's seems less to have of a bit, fear for me these days yeah less of it but it doesn't seem to have a, as much of a sort of spell over us as he used to but there's, there's still a little doubt in my mind sometimes against his sides one of the marker games for me Siobhan is the game that they play against Chelsea at home a couple of weeks yeah. back when Chelsea just just turn up there stroll yeah. around knock the ball around and get themselves 2-0 up and that was the underbelly that Steve's talking yeah. about and it was and it, it kind of happened too quick for them to do anything about it and going back to what you've just said about Mourinho it's kind of like well you you expect Mourinho to to land in have a boss year to to do that thing where he riles the team up to to mm. beat anyone who's in front of them to really wind them up to the point of you know these are taking the mick out of you here you know that kind of feeling particularly against us after the Champions League final but he seems to have gone straight to um, slightly tired Mourinho straight away yeah. doesn't he you know because yeah. the middleman yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's just not bothered with that 18 months of you know um, decency first mm. where, he, where he's slick and where he's kind of impressive he's gone straight to that whole being dead moody what did he say to one of the was it one of the Southampton coaches or was oh, yeah, it yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was rude but I was rude to an idiot yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. it's a bit early for that caper for him isn't it yeah, he usually he's, got, does he's, his, he's proved yeah. nothing so far mm. so um, and I also think going back to an earlier point because I didn't want to interrupt that the Champions League run was a complete and utter disguise for what was a complete, what was already a sinking ship at that point. I don't think it's got any better, particularly for Spurs. Yeah, I, I think that there's a proper doom and gloom about there at the moment. I know that, you know, fans of our persuasion would have you believe that they are a better team without Harry Kane, but that is not how those people in that stadium will feel on Saturday. And he's out till April now because he's got to have surgery, isn't mm-hmm. he? So, you know, there is. But that's not to say it's it's just like we've said about Man United. It's you can say all these things because they're all true. That's not to say that on Saturday we're not going to go. Oh, 
just like we did for the first 10 minutes of the game at home. But I actually think that the game at home, when was it, September? Mm Um that regardless of how they think they were, I thought Liverpool were really good value for that. Oh, absolutely. Oh, completely. And, yeah, you know, they'd have you believed that oh, they were robbed. Absolutely not. Yeah, no, Harry, no. Harry Kane certainly thought that. I think it made yeah. a good point though as well, Neil, about the timing of it and, the, and the, how it fitted in and how it yeah. was an important time of it. Because I think after all what's gone on at Crimbo and the Club World Championship and this and that and the other, people looked at that Spurs game and said, well, they were only in the European Cup final the other week. This is like one of the big teams that might be able to come to Anfield and actually do something. So they still have that. There's still a little bit of that reputation, and it's a real market. If we go down there on Saturday and bang them mm. and box them off, I think you know there's absolutely. It's you know uh, most people will accept Liverpool are going to win the league at this point. Mm. That'll just more than confirm it. That'll be another rubber stamp on top of because who else where is going to yeah, exactly, get like, in well, the way? Yeah, you know, pick who you've got left and who's going to do something. And Spurs at their place is one of those. And if we school them. That's it. I mean, I think if City Statement. are looking, looking at having any hope, they're looking at our next three games and going, they're going to have to drop and he's like Man United at home, Spurs, Spurs away, and then gives Wolves. Wolves away, yeah. yeah. The they're looking at them three going, if it's going to have any hope, then they've got to Just drop points at least at two, two or three of them games. Which one of them is going to be the hardest game? Wolves, Wolves. away. Wolves, Wolves away. away. Yeah. Dead interesting, isn't it? Yeah. You know, isn't it should it be, be, yeah, immediately, like, we're, all, we're, all, we're all in full agreement. Like, even if we drop points yeah. against Spurs, yeah. Yeah. I still think we'll end up saying Wolves away will be the toughest of them. I think yeah. Wolves Definitely. away will be such a difficult game. Um, Tottenham, then, from a Liverpool point of view, Steve, what would you look to do for the side? Um, obviously, he's not going to play the same side that he plays in the, in the last yeah. match. Uh, we know that for a fact. Um, it's one where I think I would argue for the first time in a while, maybe you can you can possibly name ten of the starters, where yeah, you feel pretty confident yeah. it'll be the front three, it'll be the back mm-hmm. four that it's mm-hmm. been recently. Mm-hmm. Henderson and Wijnaldum will both start. You'd be amazed yeah. if they didn't. Uh, the goalkeeper will be the goalkeeper. So the question is, what what else will he do in centre midfield? Who do you think he'll be looking at? Um, well, I think he, I think he goes Oxley Chamberlain. Yeah. I think Oxley Chamberlain came the, the second half of the derby. Looked really bright. I was as, as shocked as anyone to see him on yeah. the bench. He looked like it was a bad one over in uh, over in Qatar for the World Cup. Not when he was dancing in that booth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that good point. Yeah, uh, but I think he looked bright. He looked fit. He looked lively when he came on. He looked, he looked quite sharp. And I think. Uh, and he's not got another week. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. with, with the, as, as I mentioned, the soft underbelly that Spurs, I think that Spurs have got. I think that um, that extra sort of forward playing player in that midf- midfield three will do will uh, suit us down to the ground. Before yeah, the yeah. before the press conference, you go. You are you happy with Oxley Chamberlain as well? All that, yeah. All that. All that. I remember having a really similar conversation last time me and Jamie met was just before City, and you yeah. gave basically the team talk, and me and John were trying to say things afterwards. And we were just like, "Well, <laughs> just all a bit rubbish that," and you've just done the very same. Yeah, yeah. No yeah. one's, no yeah. one's throwing Amina in. Not, Not right from away. the off. Yeah. Now, no, I don't think there's any need to. There's yet. no need because there's so many games coming. They can fast. What an option off the bench. What mm. you know what? Yeah, um, if you're tiring a team out and you're wearing them out, if they're in the corner and we're throwing digs at them, and that you know, here's another layer on top of it without Keane. Almeida yeah. will be to be there. Mm. He'll sit him on the bench and say, yeah, I know this tactics we're on about, just watch that there yeah, and all that. So, what an ace card to have that is. I think the derby was an exception to what would have normally happened yeah. in, that, in that scenario, in that it was beyond a perfect opportunity to come in and, and, you know, kind of show what you're about. And I think without being too off the scale, he, he did exactly that. Yeah. So. OK, prediction? Uh, I'm, I fancy us. I'm going to go 3-0. <gasps> you should go on 3-0. 3-0. I'll go 3 You don't have to change. Oh, you can no. just have 3-0. 4-1. Yeah, yeah. It's not the way it works, but all right, 4-1. 2-0. We are steady. We're not letting goals in. We're pragmatic. <laughs> there he goes and again. Sound. Yeah. All sound. Yeah. All excellent stuff indeed. Thank you very much to Steve, to Damien and to Siobhan. Everyone else right the way through the show as well. I hope you enjoyed it. Take it easy. Sports Social Podcast Network.